Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblechild.com slash shark. Welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks podcast. I'm your host, John Lossmuth. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mark Hoffmeyer. So I know I said I was going to stop with the Kurt Russell talk, but I recently learned on Graham Norton uh, how Kurt Russell knew that Snake Plissken would be a very popular character on Escape from New York. All right. So there's a scene where he had to run towards the camera a couple blocks. So they're like, all right, Kurt, run a couple blocks down the road and take a right. And then when we call you, you'll run a couple blocks back to us. So Kurt's running down a couple blocks. And in, in his mind, he's kind of getting pumped up. He's getting into Snake Plissken mode. You know, he has his eye patch, his sleeve of shirts. He has like a big machine gun in his hands, his gun holster on his leg. And he's running. He's angry. And he turns around the corner and he's in full snake mode. And there's these four dudes walking down the street towards him. <laughs> and like they stop. They look at Kurt. And Kurt has his, you know, eye patch on. So he kind of turns his eye to look at him and the four guys go hey man we don't want any trouble and they turn around and walk away and then kurt russell runs does the scene he looks at john carpenter he goes dude we got a good character nice so is that the uh the criteria for every uh kurt russell character that he's done <laughs> like hey 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 we should do a scale of like uh, one to ten Kurt Russell characters running down the block and you know rolling into four people. So there's something really funny about that. So like he was looking straight on, but then he turned his head so that the one good eye, if you will, was looking straight at his target. Yeah. So people might not realize this, but uh, trust me, all listeners, all of you have seen this. You just may not. Oh, this is uh, it. John Levengood, by the way, for all you folks oh, at home. Oh, it's John Levengood. Yes, but <laughs> so. Um, if you ever see a bird like hunting down a worm or even sometimes picking up a seed, it'll come up to the, the, the its prey item, its food item, a seed, a, a, a bug or whatever it is. And it'll look at it at first, but then it will actually turn its head sideways so that one of its eyes is looking straight at its target before it turns its head back and pecks it. And it's because they have no proper sense of, of depth perception. They have almost all-round vision. 
but they can't see what's right in front of them very well. So they turn their head. And if you see a crow, it will not only turn its head, but it will lower its head to like an inch away from what it's about to peck. And like, that might be an instinctual like nature thing. Like when someone in nature, like in an alley sees someone turn their head like that with one eye to look at them. It's like, bro, he's about to prey upon us. Do snakes do that? So, you're saying no? I'm not aware. I'm not aware oh. of. Snakes. You're, you're I, saying I, I'm not saying no, but I I have not witnessed this in snakes. But birds, I see it a lot. So you're saying and Kurt actually, Russell's you know, a giant. Anoles, those lizards in Texas and Florida, those Cuban anoles. Yeah, yeah. They do it sometimes. Ooh, oh, nice. So you're saying Kurt Russell's a giant bird of prey. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that he behaves like a predatory animal, like in a, terms of like, vision, like a hawk. Yeah. Or, like a hawk, osprey, an osprey. Dude, just yesterday <laughs> I was leaving work and I saw a pigeon perched on top of a fence, and I saw a raptor snag it, and I just thought like coolest start of the weekend ever. <laughs> this was just Friday. <laughs> really? Yeah, this was just on Friday. Like I was looking at this pigeon, I'm like it's just like just happy little pigeon on Friday. He's like, it's the weekend, man. And then you, you hear this like sound. It sounds like punching a bird and off it goes. So it was looking at you and it got destroyed. So you, you like inadvertent, you John Stockton, that pigeon's death. Well, I mean, you know, the Raptor like kind of coordinated with me earlier. Like he was like, ah, distract the pigeon. Ah. And I'm like, yeah, cool bird. <laughs> yeah, bro. Did you like my impression? I don't know what that sounded like. It might have sounded like a llama getting a, a, a prostate exam. But... I just picture like four people watching this happen. They're like, did that guy understand that? You just give it the nod, like just like a bro nod at the yeah. gym. Like, yep. No, you give like one of those like, yeah, I know. like a De Niro. You know, De Niro kind of shakes his head up and down. Like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. no, he, does that, he does that face a, squinch. Like, <laughs> De Niro does a squinch. <laughs> you. Yeah. You, you <laughs> say it, but either way, Kurt Russell, Raptors, Cuban anole lizards, watch out. Hey, yep. That actually sounds like an answer to a, to a listener question. Yeah, we just answered a non-existing question. Oh yeah, we're That's... we're so good at answering listener questions. We're answering questions that weren't even questioned yet. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Let's actually get to the listener questions. Let me do we that. have listener questions? Yeah, I think you do, right? Let me get. Shit. Nope. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So first question, by the way, I want to give like a proper shout out to this guy. Uh, it's Ricky Ciuzio from uh, Facebook. This guy has actually become like a very friendly exchanger with me on Facebook about all things movie, not just on um, uh, uh, for our podcast. He's given us Facebook or, or I'm sorry, Facebook questions for our podcast before, but he's been back and forth with me a lot and he's given me some good suggestions. So, all right, Ricky, your question. Do you think that the cause of cancer to Star-Lord's mom was caused by the radioactivity spawned by her pregnancy with an alien? Oh, my goodness. Um, Tommy Boy strikes again. I'm just going to so, say no. I'm just say it was cigarettes. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not nice at all. <laughs> so... Right. What cigarettes can cause cancer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she, you know, it was it was the eighties. You know, what yeah. I mean, like it was. I mean, maybe she smoked a, a pack a day. You don't know. I think in the seventies, six, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, forties, everyone smoked seven packs a day. But is yeah. this in the future? No, 
No, it was. Because he was in the. Remember the mixtape? Like, he was young. He was a young kid. I thought he got that mixtape from his father. No, from his mother. No, yeah. But but if it was her mixtape from back in the day, wouldn't that really mean that it was. That the, the, the present day of, of Star-Lord was another 20 or some years in the future? No, because I think Star-Lord, or at least in the movie, he's supposed to be, like, from our generation. Kind of grew up a little bit in the 80s. So, I mean, Chris Pratt's about the same age. Okay, so, so he, he is playing, like, our—we're all in our 30s, by the yeah, way, listeners. But, think, so he's playing our age in present-day 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but like, these were pop songs that his mom listened to. Yeah. Okay. I, I misunderstood that. Okay. So, all right. Could have been cigarettes. It's oh, fine. Could have been cigarettes. I went down like the rumor mill wormhole. And so they're saying that in this new movie, Captain Marvel, which I thought was a woman but might be a man, is his father. But Captain Marvel in the comics died of cancer from radiation. Mm. And uh, I don't know. That's. So maybe it's like a nod because they're changing the story completely. So maybe it's a nod to Captain Marvel dying of cancer that his mom died of cancer. Or well, maybe it's cigarettes. Didn't didn't they actually cast a Captain Marvel like uh, earlier? I don't think they've done that yet. I don't we would have known that there's there's not a Marvel cast. I think I, that's a woman. That should be Catherine Winnick from Vikings. She she'd tear it up. But uh, I, I, all I know is from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, they call him an angelic jackass in different terms. <laughs> yeah. The mom says he's angelic. Yondu says he's a jackass. So I do see how an angelic jackass could come down to space not thinking about radiation, you know, hook up with a woman who smokes three packs a day and, uh, you know, causes that. <laughs> well, like, so I, I took a different approach. So, like, a lot of superheroes, especially in comics, have, like, these tortured pasts, right? Uh, very typical but the question actually referred to if if uh the mother's cancer was caused by the pregnancy right do you think the cause of cancer was spawned by her pregnancy by an alien which made me think like is it because of radiation from the fetus the alien fetus because it's an alien uh, genetics now in comics Let's say this alien walks out of his ship and there's like a decompression thing and it goes like, is there still going to be a bunch of radiation all over him? I, I guess that point depends, like because radioactive isotopes are, are just compounds, right? So like if you exist as an alien in a radioactive atmosphere, then when you go somewhere else, you may still have them in your body. <clears throat> so th- so so then if you impregnate someone, with a gamete that's now half human, half radioactive alien, and it develops and it grows more and more and more cells, does that mean there's an increased level of radiation now in a mother's uterus and that's causing cancer? To quote John Levengood, I've gone cross-eyed. That would be I've gone cross-eyed. That's but why, that's why you should always and use a condom. my answer to that question would be probably no, because if you could get cancer in that time frame from something like that, it probably would have affected your own body's ability to deliver nutrients to the fetus. Mm. So it probably would have, re- would have turned into, unfortunately, some kind of variation of fetal alcohol syndrome or, or, uh, or you know— 
an early birth or, or a miscarriage or something like that, whereas Star-Lord came out quite fine, as it seems. Hulk so, lad. Right, so I'd say that it had nothing to do with the pregnancy itself, but it could have had to do with the long-term exposure to the father if he was radioactive. And then you would just wait on the long run, years and years and years later, she developed the cancer. See, I don't think the father stayed around very long, though. <laughs> I just think he took off on Earth to pick up some cigarettes, met a woman, you know, and like... Uh, Maybe he, he, left, sure. he left something behind that was radioactive. Ooh. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> at that, I don't know. It's a very specific, obscure question. This I read about my... yeah. I read about eight articles too, and like I was like, I had a big board on my wall where you do the thumbtacks with the red yarn attaching everything together. You know, I got in sleep last night just putting this together. It's like there are all these different approaches to these questions. Like, because I remember once when people were like on Reddit bringing up all these questions about the impracticality of like the alien xenomorph and aliens. And, uh, and and I'm just saying, like, well, how did that thing put on 200 pounds in eight hours? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that, because, like, it takes a, a pregnant woman, it takes something like uh, 400,000 calories to turn a gamete into a fully developed fetus over the course of nine months. So where is all this coming from? You know, it's like we, we think of questions in different ways. We're all, we all make good points, but we approach them from different angles. And mine's obviously that that geeky biological angle. And then other people take this like. Um, so I went in a story conspiracy like uh, star, you know, like Captain Marvel had this. He died of cancer. Then maybe that was a nod. And then John just made up cigarettes. Your answer hey, is every. No, I didn't make up cigarettes. Mine. All right. Cigarettes cause cancer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's no making a, making that up. <laughs> I saw the movie Thank You for Smoking, and they affirm that there is no proof of that. Yeah, because that's a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, hold on. I got another for you. I got another. Okay. Let's 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 get on all sorts of tangents. So from the sci-fi action adventure and fantasy Facebook group, Sean Valle asks or says less of a question and more of a gripe. But at the end of Terminator 2, why didn't the T-1000 just mimic the T-800 instead of Sarah Connor in the steel mill? He could have walked right up to John Connor and shoved him in the molten steel as opposed to mimicking Sarah and trying to get John to come to him. They made physical contact, so he could have done it. So this led me down another wormhole, and I found this answer on Stack Exchange by a user named Brooklyn Knight. And he said, um, let's see, consider what the T-1000 has observed, not what we have observed. He had no way of knowing the paternalistic place that the T-800 had taken in John's life. So the one opportunity that the T-1000 had to do something like this where nobody was around, it instead took the form of John's mother, who John would rush to without thinking. It was the right choice as we saw, but the wrong timing. That's a brilliant answer. <laughs> I hated it because I was like thinking about something stupid. Like I was going to like answer it with like, you know, because he felt like it or like or because James Cameron was drunk. But um, I read that and I'm like, I hate it. I hate this so, answer. So like, I came up with an answer and then I kind of realized my answer was wrong. But my initial answer was they say that the T-1000 can't make like, you know, um, guns and bombs, right? It yeah. can only, 
Well, that had me thinking, well, hold on. The the T-800 has a lot of moving parts. It's a robot under there. But then, of course, it could just touch it and mimic the physical human shape of that, right? Then that also took me to the point of, hold on. If it can mimic, like, blades, but it can't mimic, like, a bomb, a damn human body is way more complex, in my opinion, than a bomb or a machine gun. So how does it even come back and do Sarah Connor? In my opinion, at that point, it should only be able to look like the one body that was programmed to look like. Otherwise, it could look like any old body and therefore could look like the T-800 and ignore the moving parts. But if it can look like a human body with all their nuances, it should be have every ability to mimic the mechanical complexities of robots or machine guns. That's my opinion. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, so I gave an answer, and then I said my answer was wrong, and then I gave an overlaying answer that sort of makes it okay – but I have no founding justice for it whatsoever. <laughs> right. So uh, I don't know, my answer is a lot shorter, a lot simpler. <laughs> it's uh, it's simple. There's no way Robert Patrick could uh, ever hope to recreate the body of Arnold. There There's weren't no enough way, atoms. Yeah. No, no, exactly. You expect Robert Patrick to, to put on the same amount of gains uh, Arnold did? There wasn't. The movie's not long enough for him to hit the gym. <laughs> you know, Mystique, Dude, the one body. That just she totally brings me back to my alien reference yeah. of how did that thing put on 200 pounds <laughs> in eight hours? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Mystique. From a chest burster to a xenomorph. Yeah. Mystique can turn into anything, but she can't turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. If she can't do she it, she can turn can into an ugly short Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he'd be, with that build. Like she'd actually shrink to five foot even, yeah. <laughs> because that way, that way, that miniature Arnold Schwarzenegger would weigh the same as five foot ten Mystique. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that miniature Arnold Schwarzenegger atoms out of nowhere, which brings me to Underworld Awakening. How did that werewolf get so damn big? And why did you just throw people away from him? And why is he throwing people towards their gun that they were separated from earlier? <laughs> But... <laughs> and little known fact, there's a deleted scene where John Connor knows that the T-1000 is faking it because T- the T-1000's feet match the metal grate that he's standing on. Really? What? Yeah, that was a deleted scene. I read that. Oh, wow. oh a deleted scene. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, they cut it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so uh, deleted scene with feet and... Um, Cheese grater. Cheese grater. I think those are the questions. Yeah. Or the answers to our questions. <laughs> I think we did good, guys. We did good for now. I think we nailed it, guys. We talked some science. We talked some inside stuff. We yeah. talked some deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked, you know, five-foot Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that's that's a good answer. Yeah. You know, Maybe five... even four-foot-nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mini Arnold Schwarzenegger would probably still win a bodybuilding competition. Yeah, easily. <laughs> yeah. The cruiser waits. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I think it's time to move on to the the meat of the show. Yep. Uh Mark, take it away. Yeah, so Is last it- week uh I got this question asking like about verse. Like what movies would you what characters would you like to see fight? Any characters. So we're not talking like 
we're not just talking Batman versus Superman, Freddy versus Jason. We're talking like the really weird ones, like the death from Seven Seal versus Samuel L. Jackson from Fresh because they both play chess. You know, like we're talking like this, the weirdest things that we could possibly think of, which I think would be a good movie. I'd love to see Sam Jackson play death in a game of chess. Because uh, the movie Fresh, he's just giving out advice. I'd like to see Sam Jackson give death advice, actually. So um, that we answered the question last week. I wrote a post that has way too much to it. And this week, we're going to cover the best random verse movies in MFF style. You know, we're not going to... This isn't going to be stopped. We're, we got some weird... We got some weird verse stuff for you here. So the first one, I'm going to go, and it is Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I love it. I, I feel like, God, have I seen someone joke about that in the last years? That's a great choice. So, so. The movie title would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a massive moral quandary. Because, <laughs> you know, they'd be fighting him, right? And there would be like this big fight, you know. And then they're kind of like, should we eat them? Like, you know, like they're kind of like fighting them and they're like, you know, like one gets really close to him. You know, uh, Pizza the Hut has Leo in a headlock and Leo just starts chomping on his arm. We're talking. He is just cannibalizing him. Right. And then, you know, Pizza Hut's arm flies off. Right. <laughs> and then his other arm, he has Raphael. Raphael does the same thing. So we have this armless Pizza the Hut. And the four of them are just like, listen, guys, we can't tell anybody that we ate him, but we are going to eat this guy. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that scene in the original 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where Leo's looking all depressed about Master Splinter. Just picture him doing that same look after eating Pizza the Hut. Like things would never be the same again for these turtles. <laughs> so, I mean, Pizza the Hut back in Spaceballs, when he, you know, that one video of Pizza the Hut in the whole movie where yeah. like it was some like message from him, like he eats a piece of his own pepperoni. Yep. Ooh. In the movie. So he self cannibal. That's not eat like eating a booger. That's like eating your flesh. Yeah. I mean, he ate so, himself to death. So like in one way, don't feel too weird about it, Ninja Turtles. But at the other side of it, like at some point, like even if it wasn't April O'Neil, even if it wasn't the public, right, if it was all secret, at some point they have to answer to what they did. And they'll like come home to Master Splinter, right? And he'll yeah. be like – how did you defeat Pizza the Hut? And they'll be like, uh, um, well, I mean, I mean, jump kicks and somersaults. We didn't need him. Yeah, and he, like, and he gets all four of them, right? And then one spill, all four of their stories are different because they didn't think about it because they were yeah, too racked with not, guilt. This is totally so, not adding yeah, up. Yeah, so we asked all four, like, how'd you kill him? Oh, yeah, we speared him. Yeah, with a tank. And then we <laughs> dropped him from a helicopter. And then we put him on a catapult. So what you're saying is, <laughs> where did you get all these? Uh, we uh, we got him from the military. We we're, got it from the Fast and the Furious franchise. We're attached with the Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Vin Diesel, Dom. Yeah, we. I thought he was fictional. No, no, he's real. He's real. He's real. So what you say? And like you know, eventually it just leaves them going like, no, we ate him. Then there's just a silence. And then I, I like how in your world the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are real, but the Furious <laughs> franchise is fictional. <laughs> so then like eventually, it, like they all laugh about it. Or they're all just like racked with guilt because Pizza the Hut would be screaming the entire time, like, oh, my flesh, my flesh, my pepperoni, my cheese, my dough, my sausage. Ew. Onions. You know, and they just be like, <laughs> and like your face is gonna be all dirty and there's cheese everywhere. Like you can't eat the whole thing either. So it's just gonna be like a dead corpse with bite marks in it. 
<laughs> like this walking dead pizza corpse. Yeah, isn't that gross? Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Actually, and delicious. So I was just, I thought that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so that's my first one. What do you got, Levin Good? So I'm going to kind of steamroll off of the idea I had in our last podcast. And if you didn't listen to episode 53, when we did Batman versus Superman, I was talking about how I thought that Scott Adkins would make a great Superman specifically in a Batman versus Predator. And I started thinking like, what would this movie look like? What would be one of the iconic scenes in a Batman versus Predator with a martial artist finally playing Batman, right? And we've talked, you know, in the past about my Danny Glover Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator reboot ideas. This is yeah, not as talk about it. We didn't just we. It's not as crazy though. It's not yeah. as crazy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I, I, so I just tried to think of like one scene, and it would be the scene where they realized that the other existed, and it would be like Batman responding to something, and when they meet, like, obviously Batman would be totally outclassed, so he'd have to be in this chase scene where he's the victim, using like acrobatic, semi-free running and zip lining moves, almost like. When Batman was dodging Doomsday, remember, mm-hmm. in, in the fight in Batman versus Superman? But he's he's free running and stuff. He's going through alleyways, maybe through an abandoned warehouse where the Predator can shoot some shit up. Well, it's basically right? like Danny Glover chasing the Predator. Because remember the Predator was like running through walls and stuff like that? Like, is that Batman but, running but away? This is super – this is like way high-paced and super neat camera angles and CGI because it's all like faster and neat angles, right? Because it's a martial artist and the Predator, not – Danny Glover and the Predator. Not a dude who says I'm too old for this shit and a Predator. Yeah. (laughs) So like – so then though – and maybe even I thought like what if the chase scene even went through a zoo? I thought that would be kind of cool because like Scott – the Batman would know – you know, not to go in the cages or to avoid certain things, but the predator wouldn't. So what if the predator got waylaid, like fighting a bear or a rhinoceros? Three-toed sloth. Uh, It got swarmed by dangerous sloths. And so, but then now Batty knows what he's facing. He develops an armor kind of like Batman versus Superman with like UV infrared vision so he can see invisible predator, right? Now they both have cool toys. Like that's, this is my, my initial vision. Like this is my pitch. If there are studio heads listening, this is the movies, films, and flicks, uh, writing, production company, whatever pitch for this movie. And the notes are written down and thrown on the floor. I have it written in a Word file right now. <laughs> Throw it on the I'm floor. I'm not throwing it on the floor because my, my laptop will break and that will end the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, dude, we have we have really nailed down the the, 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 the Predator franchise. Like, we've got ideas. Oh, well, the one problem with your theory is you're saying swarms of sloths, but it would only take one sloth to kill a Predator. Are they venomous? Well, we – I'm telling you, if sloths were that slow, they would all be dead. They're hiding something. The sloth would murder a predator. They would wink at each other. He would wink at Batman. Batman would wink back. Another predator would blow up that sloth, which would be amazing. And then and then Super, or Batman would be like, oh, no. And then he would scream because the sloth got blown up. And then he would give away his position. And that's the fight where just it'd be, it's like Beer Fest, where like, uh, that one guy dies and his brother knows everything exactly about it. Like That's what I think. You don't. You don't have to write it down. That's just my feeling. That's nice. <laughs> you guys don't. You guys aren't buying my uh, my sloth theory. Uh, you know, actually, I was just kind of having a quiet moment, reflecting. Like at some point, I don't know when it will be. 
but with the upcoming release of Zootopia, it kind of facilitates this. We'll have to have a best slots of film. Dude, that movie's made like seven hundred million already. Like, I will. Is that movie out? Yeah, it's seven hundred million. Oh, sorry, I didn't even realize what. But like, like between that movie, right, and then any other random movie Ice with the slot, Crudes, right. Um, Right, that, and then I would pick a seven for one of my representations of sloth. <laughs> oh gosh! That <laughs> took a moment. Yeah. Oh, so, like, we could do the best sloths of film. I'm right. just saying, like, like you know, maybe like episode seventy-five or so or a hundred. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down for the best some, sloths of film. Get some real sloths in and there. Sid the sloth is John Leguizamo. Dude, oh, nice. <laughs> And, and and therefore, it's almost like a sloth slapped that Russian mobster's uh, kid in the face in John Wick. <laughs> yeah. And we all know that no human would ever survive that. But a sloth, however, might have gotten away with that. No one expects a sloth. No one expects a sloth. Beth, <laughs> <laughs> what's your first uh, um, your first matchup? Right. So I think I'm going to start things off. At least on my end, like a little, little easy with like a kind of an obvious matchup. I decided to go the vampire route, and both of these sides, I guess they're both kind of they're not your typical vampires. I guess you would call them daywalkers. Well, so you're going vampire versus vampire. Oh yeah, I'm going. Wait, wait, did you do Vampire Hunter D versus Blade? Uh, one of them's right. I'm going Blade versus the Twilight Vampires. <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of daywalkers. Yeah. You know, I just, I feel like Blade would be, you know, I think he would take offense to these uh, vampires walking around. You know, they're I, all sparkly I, I, and I, just I, like. And I took offense by those Twilight vampires. Yeah. They're I just, just moping all over the place. They're making the Pacific West more gloomy. I just, I want to see like Blade show up in the middle of the the, the Pacific Northwest forest. <laughs> he just like ruins like uh, the colon family meeting or whatever it's like i'm here <laughs> All right, listeners mark and i are each like six three and six four we uh, i weigh well over 200 pounds mark weighs at least 200 like we are and we're both bearded at the moment aren't we yep. so we are if we live in the pacific northwest we're talking total lumberjacks and you know i'm we just be axe men and if we saw these twilight vampires adding glitter to our home region like i'd be pissed <laughs> like do they shed glitter is it like you left the strip club and everything you touch has glitter on it yeah. those glittery vampires like that's how vampire hunters find them <laughs> like they just have a black light and there's just glitter everywhere you just follow the trail black light. You just look. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like a horror movie like they're inside their house and blade is attacking yeah oh what's his name uh whistler you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like he could just like give him like uh here, here's a, a glitter gun or something, <laughs> glitter bomb, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or his or his successor Norman Reedus in Blade Two be like, yeah, I made you this glitter gun. <laughs> <laughs> think about this scene. So they put one of the glitter vampires on a catapult. He shoots the glitter vampire up in the air. The glitter vampire blows up and all the townsfolk are, are like, it's so beautiful because it looks like fireworks. Mm -hmm. it's like, and then the kid's like, ah, I have glitter in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, he could be stumbling upon like the the vampire battles. He doesn't care who's good or bad and he just wipes them all out. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
goodness. Kristen Stewart's like, oh, wow, you're actually kind of hot. He kills yeah. her anyway. <laughs> uh, and he's always like, some vampires are trying to climb mountains uphill. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> this is assuming, like, you know, Wesley Snipes even shows up. Yeah. I mean, like, let's say, he, you know, let's say he gets arrested for tax evasion and someone wants to make this movie. Like, he's yeah. going to go do more movies. Yeah. Then Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel will bust him out of prison. And then as... he'll hate it. Yeah. And then we'll have more great stories, like on Blade Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> So right. yeah, I think we're all gonna. I think we're all picking Blade to win that one. It seems yeah, he's like. gonna win. Yeah. Oh God, he better. It's a world I don't want to live in. Imagine if the Twilight people killed him. <laughs> You'd be like, what? <laughs> no. What? what? I would be. I would be in a ten Cloverfield Lane bomb shelter with John Goodman in a world where Edward and his vampire Ken Wan. That's right. So uh, I don't. I didn't mean to do this on purpose here, but I got like the eating theme going on with my versus matches. So I have Superman from Superman Returns versus Hannibal Lecter. So <laughs> were you hungry when you made yeah, this maybe. list? So it's either called Man a Lamb of Steel <laughs> or Man of Veal. Oh, so it's like Lecter would be a perfect Superman villain because he's super rich, crazy, brilliant, and would definitely want to eat an alien like mm. I like Henry Cavill, but he's too conflicted. I'd rather see Brandon Rouse, like, nice character being hunted by Lecter. So, like, Lecter's, like, Lecter finds out, right? And in the show, um, Hannibal, he's basically, like, the most intelligent human being on the planet. He outwits everybody, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. So he would kind of, like, get with Lex Luthor. He would eat Lex Luthor. He would get the kryptonite. And then he would just, like, slowly, like, you know, he would meet Lois Lane. He would enchant her. Lawrence Fishburne wasn't Hannibal. So he would be in this movie with Mads Mikkelsen again. They'd have a dinner party, uh, and there would be kryptonite. Superman would get, you know, unpowered, and then it would just be, you know, he would. And Lester so would now, go. in his weakened state, he listened to Perry White just whining at him, like, <laughs> "Where's my football where's, article? <laughs> where's my article about the football team, Clark?" So it's Hannibal Lecter eating Superman. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but like, don't Hannibal Lecter would want to eat an alien? Are we in agreement? Maybe, but he'd be very wary because, like, um, so Superman absorbs the radiation from our sun. That might be creating creating radioactive isotopes. But see, Lecter would be like, well, I've read about this, and I found out that you put it on a hibachi for 24 hours. Yeah. Like, he would have a – he would yada – all right, so he yada, yada, yadas it. Like, he knows. Like, he's like <laughs> – yeah, he yadas it. Actually, no, he feeds it to Lois Lane first. And yeah. she doesn't know, just to make sure it's good. But it would, it would, take, it would take years. Well, then he plays the long game. He has Superman imprisoned. I so he feeds Lois for years. She feeds Lois pieces of Superman for years? <laughs> yeah, Ooh. and when she's fine, then he's like, dinner is served. Dude, this <laughs> is so dark. <laughs> <laughs> this is so twisted right now. Like, this went from, like, oh, how, you know, how kind of, like, playfully kitschy gross to, like, dude, that is morbidly twisted. He's playing the long game. <laughs> like, with Clarice, he plays the long game. You know, like, he's he's always messing with her. Like, I like this movie. <laughs> dude, I, I, I don't know. I, I went more, like, just comic book fun for my pick. <laughs> Like mine is not so morbid. I well, I love it, but mine is not so morbid. Um, 
I went with a, a classic matchup that's happened loads and loads of times in comic books. Like Batman and Predator has happened a few times. Superman and Batman has happened, God, like over a dozen times. I'd want to see Hulk and Spider-Man. I think that'd be a really fun movie, as long as they didn't get 89 other characters involved. Hulk versus Spider-Man? Right. Yeah, that happens over and over again in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Over and, well, the thing is, is that they're about the same strength. People don't realize that. Ooh. It's just Spider-Man's a little bit more agile. A little bit more now, well, Spider-Man is way more agile, mm. and he thinks more rationally, right? He has his more human, acute mind. Thing is that Hulk is not as agile, but he's actually as fast in terms of miles per hour. When you see him do his jumps and shit, he's actually, in fact, faster than Spider-Man. He's just not nearly as agile. I got a quick question for you. In the modern climate, though, after Man of Steel— and Fast 7, Spider-Man would not try to fight Hulk in a city because Hulk would be hulking out, chasing him, and thousands would die. So if they were in a desert, like he's like, I'm going to take this to Nevada. I don't know why Nevada. <laughs> I'm going to take this to the the, the Central Park. We're going to battle in Central Park because it's New York, right? Who would win in Central Park? Boy, you know, it's like I, I, I want to say – uh, part of me wants to say in the long run that Spider-Man would win, that that his wits would help him. But the thing is that like a, a couple of the a couple unexpected hits from Hulk, like they can end a life. But un- I like these unexpected. Is he like swinging? And he gets uppercutted. Well, no, I just mean because Hulk is so powerful. He really yeah. is, and and not like standing there punching. But when 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 Hulk lunges at something and he has that like super fast launch. Like that—that's where you can't handle things as well. Or if Hulk grabs you, if Hulk gets his hands around Spider-Man's leg, remember what he did to Loki in Avengers Two? Oh yeah. Wham, 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 wham. Yeah. After Loki gives him the God speech, like, does that kill Spider-Man? I don't know, but like, the comic books, especially back in like uh like the '60s, they showed it over and over and over again. That it was basically like Hercules, Namor, Thor, the Thing, and and Hulk were just as strong as Spider-Man and vice versa. Because hmm. Spider-Man was 80 times as strong as a, as a human for his own mass because they used that stupid spider analogy, not realizing that when things get bigger, they get weaker. So what about if the populace comes to help Spider-Man like in – Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock, but then Hulk just whack-a-moles like 50 humans. Then <laughs> then Spider-Man inadvertently resulted in a whole lot of death. And, <laughs> then, he gets, and then he gets a Superman trial from some Kentucky <laughs> senator. I don't even know how to speak. I, I lived in Kentucky for like five years. I don't even know how to do it. I'm from Kentucky. I'm, I, no, I don't know. I but know. I'm Holly Hunter. I'm from Kentucky. I'm going to create some unrealistic hearing where we have rules for you. <laughs> yeah. And then she's going to drink the peach tea and explode. But it's got to be emo Tobey Maguire from the third one. So he's got to be like <laughs> dancing. He's got to be like doing his dance moves. And then, you know, that's when Hulk attacks. Because he then, went bad. He went kind of bad. So that's why Hulk's attacking. Case, I hope that he is convicted for disrupting the peace. <laughs> that horrible dance move and that horrible hair. It's a brilliant movie. Ugh. I mean, by brilliant, I mean insane. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. All right, Laz, what do you got? So for this one, I decided I want a full-out battle between, like, two huge armies of these two groups. 
And what better kind of combatants than the uh, cute and furry ones? I decided to go with Ewoks versus Gremlins. Ooh. I just want like a whole bunch on each side too. Like them just going at it. Just charging each other. So like the last third of the movie Gremlins Mm -hmm. versus versus Battle for Endor. Yeah. To be fair, like there's not much water on that planet. It's a lot of woods. So there wouldn't be that many sprouting, which is good. Well, I think uh, I want I want both sides to be at their at their uh, at full strength. Full strength. Okay. Let's just say there's like a rainstorm going on or something. Yeah, it's, oh it's like you said way back when we suggested the uh, the listener question about ghoulies versus gremlins. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's like they have to be full power. Okay, yeah. so it's like the sun just came up, so you don't have to worry about midnight. There's no food or water in sight, and it's yeah. two full armies charging at each other. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm impressed with those Ewoks. They went into a gunfight with rocks. Listen, they're, they they're pretty they're pretty scrappy little things. You they know? put their lives on the line, and they adapted pretty well to those speedsters. They like latched lassoed them. They like uh, they did trip wires. They took over the uh, like they had hang gliders. Like these guys, they willingly got killed to help out a much larger cause. And they're but loyal. They're... they're loyal to each other. Like you remember that one scene where that Ewok was just mourning the death of his friend. Yeah, <laughs> and when, when people say they hate the Ewoks, I just want to headbutt them because I feel like they were. I know they were meant to sell things, but when you look at the core of them, they really. But the Gremlins would murder them. The Gremlins would. You think so? Gremlins would be. Well, and the other Dyson. thing is, it, it wouldn't actually be a, a head-to-head charge, right? Because gremlins don't really operate that way. They'd be, like, like running like the apes and escape from... Uh, yeah, the, I mean, they just... But not even all, all in one direction. Like, it would just be total pandemonium. They have no order. Yeah, they wouldn't have a leader, I don't think. But their, their, whole sen- their whole form of communication is in the form of, like, evil laughter and malevolence. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they don't really... It, it's not like... Like to go over there, it's very, it's very indirect and crazy. Like they're nuts. Yep. So if I was the Ewoks, I would be screening like Snow White. And and, and can uh, I just ask, if a gremlin spills the blood of an Ewok on another gremlin, does getting that gremlin wet create more gremlins? Because the rule wasn't water. The rule was don't get them wet. The rule was never sure. water. Yeah, but Ewoks bleed chocolate. Hard I'm just saying, but I'm just making a point. The rule was never water. The rule was don't get them wet. But see, the thing is, in a Return of the Jedi, you never see an Ewok bleed, even though they've been lit up by guns. So maybe yeah. Ewoks, PG. maybe maybe Ewoks don't bleed. Yeah, they just didn't write it into the script. Yeah, <laughs> they're too badass to bleed. I want to see this battle. Yeah, I, re- I want to see them running at each other with like chaos, and then just. Like, like, if e- they don't- if Ewoks don't bleed, then it's almost like the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton and uh, and Tim Roth as uh, aberration, where when they fight, they basically bludgeon each other to death because neither of their skins can be pierced. Yep. They're basically just <laughs> whacking like, each other. When an Ewok dies, it has to take, like, tremendous punishment before <laughs> the body gives in, but there's not a drop of blood. It's just a little scuffed up. <laughs> Listen, if his pants stay intact the whole time, why would he bleed? You know, it's just that type of universe. (laughs) Those pants made no sense because, like, they would get blasted in an explosion, but the pants will still be on. Yeah, the pants. No, no, man. They're uh, I I wonder what kind of pants uh. I'm not lobbying that I want to see Tim Roth aberration balls or Edward Norton Hulk balls, but those pants would have been gone. 
love Mark Ruffalo. I don't want to see these shots. Maybe they can just use tactful CGI shadows. Maybe they just like make the quads just like bulge in just the right amount. <laughs> if they bulge that much, wouldn't they be like crushing them? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why he's the Hulk. <laughs> that's why he's so angry all the time. <laughs> In the uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, instead of like, uh, never mind. Yeah. You remember that? You remember that line from Avengers One? That's my secret. I'm always yeah. angry. <laughs> That's the reason why. Yep. That's a deleted uh, scene. All right. Uh, actually, there's really no good segue for us, but I think now's a good time to take a break, and uh, we'll see you guys in a little bit. When I say pod, you say. Pie. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. What's Robert, going on, Kyle? Take your headphones off real quick. Okay, sorry. John, what the hell is this? Oh, uh, I don't know. Robert invited me over. And yeah, I don't no know. Idea. This is kind of awkward. Are we yeah. doing like a promo or something? I don't know. I wish we'd put, a, put on his pants, though. Yeah, it's he's, he's like dancing around. He's talking about Shark right. Dropper. I think he's looking for the baby oil. Anyways, Robert, Robert, what are we doing? Huh? What are we doing? What was that? What are we doing? I can put my headphones back on? Yeah. Oh, we're doing a promo for uh, Shark Dropper. Oh, okay. That podcast we do that has improv, and we just talk about our daily lives oh, and stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I still wish you'd find your pants. Where can they find it? <laughs> oh, wait. Are we supposed to wear podcast? Uh, SharkDropper.com. Short shot time. Welcome back to Movies, Films, and Flicks. That was uh, an interesting break. I don't know. I just... I just got that picture of Hulk being angry <laughs> because oh, his quads are just crushing his nuts the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> would uh, Hannibal want to eat him? Mm, I feel like Hulk would be really tough. You know? Yeah, it'd be tough meat. Uh, just uh, be eating like a undercooked brisket. Just uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. No one wants that. No, no. Okay. Uh, Anyway, I think we have two more listener questions. Love and good? Sure, yeah. Uh, from the Geekopolis Facebook group. Again, that's Geekopolis. And they have uh, their own Facebook Kent group. Pagano <laughs> came up with the question. So the Flash traveled so far in time that he met Captain Kirk at Starfleet. What piece of advice does he give the captain? And at this point, I have to ask... Can Flash go so fast that he ends up in the future? Sure, sure. sure. That that happens? Let's do it. Does that happen in the comics? I don't know. Hey, Superman did it in, uh, what, the first or, I think, first or second movie, right? No, he went went back in time, didn't he? He he reversed the the turn of the Earth really fast. We went back in time. Potato, tomato, past, future. It's so funny. So for me, I don't... Oh, gosh. So, uh... Uh, never mind. Uh, so I was thinking, like, if he goes to the future, he can't really warn him of anything in the future because he doesn't know the future. So I was going to say something about Khan. But as we all know from the movie Star Trek, the 2009 movie Star Trek, that he was kind of like a, a cad. He was kind of like a, a shark. He was a, a womanizer at Starfleet. So I think Flash would, like, go to warn him, but he'd be, like, with a green alien. And then he would just kind of sit there, you know. I feel like Flash would be really cheeky, though. He's like a sarcastic type. I feel like you just tell him like just kill every tribble you see. Yeah, <laughs> tribble. <laughs> yeah, but kill all the tribbles. Time warp. It's because of that time warp that Flash can know about Starfleet. Yeah. What? Huh? So. Go right, Be- because the Star Wars reboot is based on a time warp, right? Remember? Yeah. 
So, in other words, if the Flash went so fast that he went in the future, he could know that this time warp happens because he's met Captain Kirk and then gone farther in the future and met young Captain Kirk again and known that he went back in time and he could warn him of a possible time warp. Ooh, or like, so warn him of like con or like, don't fall for that con shit again. Whatever created that time warp. I'm just like, like he could be like, yo, look, it's con, it's con. I've met 30 year old womanizing you like 50 years ago. FYI, somehow that happened. So you're going to hit a time warp. You better watch your step. Like, (laughs) don't trip in the time warp. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, so he's like, where's he? Who's time warping? The, the Star Trek crew. Oh, oh okay. So wait. Because the Star Trek reboot was based oh, yeah. on a time warp, which is which is how they justified having these new Star Trek movies not retreading or replacing the old Star Trek movies, but being their own arguably parallel plot line with the same exact characters because of that time oh. warp reboot. There was Spock around. Old right, stock, so, young right. So I'm saying that that Flash will have encountered that point, which is in fact earlier in our timeline than the real timeline of what we perceive as regular Starship Star Trek crew. I think they just grabbed a beer together. Look, there's nothing wrong with that. Like they could have one of those like one of those cool like grapefruit IPAs or whatever <laughs> some together. Salmon. Yeah, I mean, they, they could they could get some Ballast Point Brewing Company IPA, which I was bragging about earlier. Sponsor us. We love your Grunion. We love your uh, Pineapple Sculpin. We love your Habanero Sculpin. We love your Regular Sculpin. Any longtime listeners know that I tried for about 20 episodes to get Red Bull, but they just wouldn't send us a check. So now we're on elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them getting a beer. You know, I mean, realistically, I mean— I think that Chris Pine is going to imprison the Flash, and he's going to be like, where'd you come from? Who are you? And it's going to be kind of like Khan in the prison. Uh, I mean, they'll probably end up though just getting a beer, though. Yeah, I think it ends up with them getting a beer. And and he's going to put him in that cell, and because Flash can go so fast, he can run so fast, he could like just break through the walls. Really? Dude, he can go fast. He can go the speed of light. Does that mean you can go through solid walls? Dude, think back to Rocky IV when we got our lesson about pounds per square inch on punch impact and force from Ivan Drago, man. I mean, the pounds per square inch of a 170-pound man going the speed of light, he's going to tear through any organic matter you put in front of him. What a jerk. Just saying. You could tear through it all. If I was his brother-in-law, I would, like, build a flash wall. He'd be like, Flash, we need you. And he'd be like... (laughs) Ouch. I'm just saying it, it's an unreasonable amount of force that he can generate. Like, and by the way, so I just got invited uh, at the end of this recent February to give a talk at Broward College about pop culture and movies. And in that, I was talking about Ivan Drago, among other things, and force. And so, like, when you look at the amount of force that they say that he generated in pounds per square inch, they didn't quote it right. So he's actually like a superhuman. He's like five times stronger than any other boxer that ever lived. 
Because they say he has a 2,000 PSI punch, remember? Yeah. Okay, well, that's pounds per square inch. Normally, in boxing, they refer to the force of the punch, which is total, the combined pounds per square inch of every inch, if you will. And Ivan Drago has, like, four square inches at least of fist. I mean, I've got four square inches. So, really, he's almost 10,000 pounds of force, whereas a typical boxer can't generate much more than a thousand pounds of force. So they made it so that Ivan Drago is so strong, he'd be punching heads right off of their uh, off of their shoulders like in uh J- Jason Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. But then standing. You translate that to the flash running through walls, I'm just saying it's just a lesson in force. But like a regular boxer punches harder than a 357 Magnum. It's just a 357 Magnum is giving all that force on an area that's about one twentieth of the size, which is why it tears through flesh. I'm just saying, if I was his brother-in-law, I would build a flash-proof wall and have him run into it. That's, no. a, that's a tough wall. I don't know how you're generating that wall. I'll, I'll want to know. You know some brother-in-law would come up with that. Listen, if you want to stop the flash, you don't build a wall. What you do is that you just leave rakes all over the place <laughs> so that he would just, like, run across them. <laughs> <laughs> Like sideshow Bob, he would incinerate the rakes. He would have like forty black eyes. You need you would. It would take a lot of rakes, but uh, eventually he would uh, get the message. Yeah, like just. (laughs) I would take like forty million rakes. Well, there you go. (laughs) We got time. I'm just inventing a number here, but a lot of rakes. We got time. I feel like he would stop after like a couple million though. And like, oh man, they really don't want right. me to run here. So the answer to that listener question is forty million rakes. Yeah. Second listener question is also from Pen uh, Ken Pagano from the Geekopolis Facebook group. His question is: Indiana Jones found an artifact once said to rule the universe. So what does he do with the Infinity Gauntlet? So this means that Indiana Jones during World War II existed in the same world as Hydra. Which is awesome. Yeah. Does it mean that, or does it just mean that the Infinity Gauntlet existed for a really long time? No, but Hydra was there during World War II, and he dealt with the Nazis a lot. So oh, he, right, 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 right. Like, Indiana Jones, ex- so I was, like, doing research and all this crap, and, like, how he deals with, like, religious artifacts. Like, you know, he gave it to the government. You know, he wants it for study. This belongs um, in a museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, this means he lives in a world with Hydra and, like, Captain America. Like, I think, like, that'd be awesome. Like, a Cap- Indiana Jones, Captain America team up. Like, oh, uh, wow. I could see him and his dad battling Hydra. Like, that's the cool. I don't care what he does with the Infinity Stones. Like, you know, he has the Infinity Gauntlet on his hand, and he's still more worried about getting his dad's approval. <laughs> Aww, that's kind of sweet. Yeah, like, he's like, Dad, I could destroy the world. Yeah, Sean, but you can't get my approval. You know, he's just like, Ugh! and then he blows up some Nazis. You know, he's like, you're getting there, Sean. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't care. I don't care what he does with it. Hydra exists in the same world as Indiana Jones. It, it, okay, I, I do agree it would be awesome, but I think to figure out what he would do with Infinity Gauntlet, we have to look at what he did with the other artifacts he's found. Like the the Ark, he he gave that up to the government. Yeah, whatever. Because like the. Uh, What's his name? Uh, the bad guy. He opened it up and like uh, killed everybody, including himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Temple of Doom. The artifact was the uh, what? The stones? The Chunkara stones? In a river. Yeah, 
So he dropped that <laughs> in the river. <laughs> the uh, okay, uh, last crusade. It was the uh, the Holy Grail, which uh, he just let fall into a crack. So, he drank a little bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> because, and, uh, but that's good though because that was demonstrated that shouldn't be in the hands of yeah. man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's the uh, that's all the uh, Indiana Jones movies. So uh, yeah, <laughs> so basically, if I, I feel like following this trend, I like if, how <laughs> you totally ignored the fourth movie. I don't know what, what you're talking what, about. What, there's a fourth one. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about, but I feel like following this trend. Like I feel like he would just find some way to just kind of. Lose or give up the Infinity Gauntlet. Like uh, I, don't, I don't really care. I'm just in it like, for the I fame think, and glory. <laughs> if you picked one person to hide the Infinity Gauntlet successfully, it would be him. Yeah, because he wouldn't know where like, to be. He wouldn't even. He would be. He wouldn't remember. Like, yeah. listen, I lost it in Tunisia. <laughs> Tunisia, or was it Rome? Well, it was somewhere in between. Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'd give it to Gollum. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want your stuff safe, keep give it to Gollum. But then he would lose it eventually, you know. Oh yeah, to a Hobbit. But Hobbits are fine. No one got the ring. Hobbits is. And then they would go to Mordor, where they don't have any doors on anything protecting the volcano to drop the ring into. Yeah. And he would just drop the Infinity Gauntlet into the uh, the the goop. <laughs> I want to see this movie. <clears throat> Indiana Jones yes, and do. the uh, the Gauntlet of Infinity. Oh my gosh! <laughs> when I came, up, when I came across too. that, when I came across that realization, I just went ah! <laughs> <laughs> the people in Starbucks were like, "Holy crap!" Then yeah. I started swinging. Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it'll be Indiana Jones Five because uh, no Disney uh, <clears throat> Disney owns uh, the Indiana Jones franchise now, so yep, they, they also make own it. Marvel. So why not? Why not? It's it's within the realm of possibility, no matter how crazy it sounds. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It probably won't happen, but we can dream. It could. Okay, so Indiana Jones would lose it. Is that what we're yeah. going off? Yeah, he would lose it completely, and no one would ever find it. Yeah. Except for Gollum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, thank you once again for those wonderful listener questions. But now I think it's time to get back to our versus conversation, Mark. Yep. So I've I've noticed that I'm going really dark. So I'm just going to keep that trend going. So I'm gonna like skip over a couple of the ones I have. I have Rita Vartaski from Edge of Tomorrow versus Phil from Groundhog Day. Sorry if I took that from you guys. <laughs> like, and it's called it's called Six Weeks of Winter. Uh, nice. Then I have Leonard from Memento versus Lucy Whitmore from Fifty First Dates, and it's like Kramer from Kramer versus Kramer, but it's who versus who. <laughs> that makes me happy because they Wait. both lose their memory after each day. So, so how is um how is Bill Murray from Groundhog Day combating Rita? Well, they're living the same day over and over, so he would learn skills eventually. The- right, but but which of them has the leg up on any given day? Because they're both reliving the day simultaneously, which creates kind of a weird, like, a, a gray area, yeah. right? Because normally when you have time travel, it's only your protagonist who's traveling time and everything else is relative to him, whereas you're suggesting two people traveling time. Well, on a given day, who has the upper hand? Bill Murray. But how do you know that? I'm just saying you don't know. It's it's like it's like a it's a weird. I don't I don't understand. In a way, they both learn from each time they've conflicted in the past. But at the same time, every time they've conflicted in the past, neither of them had the upper hand, or both of them had the upper. I don't understand. 
It's like well, you, just, you created a wormhole that swallowed the universe. The world blows up. Oh no! Basically, that's how the movie. That, that's how the movie ends. Time cop. Time cop yeah. happened. The <laughs> Mad have... Time cop touched his present day uh, version in Time Cop, and the universe imploded. That's right. And then I have uh, Black Dynamite versus uh, from Black Dynamite versus Han from Enter the Dragon. And it's called Enter the Black Dynamite, uh, <laughs> which I think would be amazing. Black Dynamite in a martial arts tournament. I think that'd be amazing and i'll do more later but um well that, i have Rick. That's, that's because it's uh it's it's michael shy white dude he's the best uh and so this one i have i came up with in oh man where was i chicago and it was my two tall swedish cousins and megan and i in a taxi cab after a funeral or not funeral, ooh, a wedding with uh an open bar yeah. and um we came up with this idea of aaron ralston from 127 hours versus the zombies from uh you know, Dawn of the Dead or, or Night of the Living Dead. So here's the plot. Aaron Ralston's out hiking. He gets trapped in a rock, and zombies start attacking him. So oh. while he's stuck with his arm pinned yeah. under a rock. And so, like, it's like, get away from me. How are you even here, zombies? Get away, zombies. <laughs> like, what, it's Burning Man? Like, did I miss Burning Man? Or are you guys coming? Like, I had trouble hiking up here. How are zombies hiking up here? I'm a skilled climber. You know, and, like, um, you know, zombie waves just keep coming out of him. And he's kicking away at him with his foot while he's trying to chop off his arm. Get away from me, zombies. Like, uh, why does he sound like that? <laughs> well, this, that's what, you know, Swedish drunk people sounded like. But uh, it's like, get, just stop. You know, like, where are you coming from? Like, it's just like a very whiny guy, I guess, is what we came up with. Because <laughs> if your arm's trapped in a rock and zombies attack you, you're going to be like, <sighs> like, it's going to be terrible. So it's him strapped to a rock, and zombies are falling down with broken legs and are crawling towards him, and he's trying to combat zombies while trying to cut his arm out. Oh, wow. That would be pretty intense. Oh, do you know what should happen in that movie then? At some point, a zombie bites his hand that's pinned, and that's the great impetus for him to finally cut off his Ooh. arm. Oh. And also Danny Boyle directed 28 Days Later and 127 Hours. But I don't want fast zombies. So yeah, so they bite it. And he's like, oh, I got to cut my arm off. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Dude, that sounded like anime. But he's like, I just love his reaction. Like, where are you coming from? Like, this is the mountains. How do zombies get to the mountains? Where were you? So um, he's just being attacked by zombies while his arm is trapped. Oh, nice. No, that'd be pretty intense. I love this movie. All right, you gave a couple of honorable mentions, so I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions real quickly that I that I encountered on Facebook. Uh, in the past, we addressed critters versus ghoulies. Someone came to me with critters versus gremlins. That could be a future topic, but we've covered gremlins a little bit. Johnny Five versus C-3PO. <laughs> Disney's Herbie versus Stephen King's Christine. <laughs> Dude, Johnny Five would steamroll C-3PO. Dude, dude. <laughs> Bolo Young's Chong Lee versus Kristen Crook's Chun Lee. Oh, <laughs> that is not even a fight. Wait, and I have Nash from Street Fighter Legend of Chung Lee versus Nash from Legend uh, Street Fighter Legend of Chung Lee. It's like double impact Nash with two Nashes. Because Nash. <laughs> right. that will agree with me. We had one of the most magical nights or well, drunken nights watching that movie, but Nash. Chris Klein's Nash is so amazing. They need a movie where two of him battle each other. Yeah. <laughs> another weird suggestion was the blob versus the stuff. I don't even know how that happens. Yeah. 
And then AVP V the thing. Oh my god. Oh my god. A, a three-way like a three-way alien thing where two of them are parasites, but one of them like I mean those were some so, so that, that is a fraction of the randomness that I encountered. But here's my pick, right? So my pick, I'm actually going to take it away from the darkness just a tad. I'm going to a football matchup for a change. I'm going to say Shane Falco versus Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday. Ooh, right, so Shane Falco from The Replacements, Any Given Sunday is is uh, Jamie Foxx from Any Given Sunday. Willie my, Hart. My heart says – my head says Willie, but my heart says Shane Falco. Because he has LL Cool J and, and, and LT on his – Yeah, but – but Keanu Reeves has got quicksand and uh, Sting. Got to watch out for that quicksand. <laughs> Every breath you take. I love that scene in the bar. I, you know, at first I wanted to bring James Vanderbeek QB in, but he's so whiny that everyone I, just hates him. So I'm just like, no. Uh-uh. I don't want your James Vanderbeek. <laughs> I don't want your blues. <laughs> but, Wait, who are they talking to? Coltrane? <laughs> When well, you have Shane Falco and Willie Beeman, though, you have like all good attitude versus just plain attitude, and you have like one who uh, just wants to do right and a one who just wants the limelight. Like, ooh, that's a good. That's for the poster. There you go, right there. There's my movie. One just wants what's right. The other one wants the limelight. <laughs> who wins? Any given replacement. <laughs> John Favreau on the offensive line could really hold up against like LT and see I almost did the water boy versus John Favreau from Ooh. the water boy versus oh. John Favreau from replacements I almost did that yeah. that'd be a good matchup right there <laughs> that, wait that's actually the water boy voice <laughs> Bobby Boucher <laughs> and then I almost did one about lawnmowers the straight story versus Bobby Boucher's lawnmower <laughs> I, I, I thought about this a lot guys no I, listen Willie Beeman is obviously the better athlete. You know, you you want him on your team. But, like, I love the replacements. <laughs> you know, you Willie Beeman is, is the athlete, and yeah. Shane Falco is the player. There, ooh. He's the leader. Yeah, he's the leader. And the leader. That's just it, yeah. People Willie love Beeman Shane does Falco. whatever he wants. you got to fall in line. Shane Falco, he wants, he wants to lead. Yeah. I love me some replacements, man. That movie's silly, but I, I could watch it once every three and a half months. I could watch it once every three and a half hours. <laughs> I feel like it's on That's TV. What you were doing yesterday. I couldn't get in touch with you. It's on TV that amount, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> oh, I love this matchup. All right. Uh, then you'll probably like this one. Let me get it. I think you and I are on the same wavelength because I also picked Shane Falco, but I decided to go just like uh, on a uh, bigger scale team versus team. The team from the replacements versus the team from the longest yard. We'll oh go gosh. With the, we'll wait, go wait, with the, re, we'll, wait, remake with Adam Sandler and Nelly or yeah. original with Burt Reynolds? Uh, remake. Because the remake had like bigger dudes, I feel like. Okay. In that <laughs> case, I'm going with the replacements. They also had Terry Crews, though, who's hilarious, and he just ate cheeseburgers oh, in the longest just, yard. Oh, he is so big. Where did he get so many I just, cheeseburgers I just from? I just want to see how that game would go down. You know? Yeah. You have like Orlando think, Jones, like with the sticky gloves. But then yeah, you got like, like a, look, looks like an elephant jizz in my hands. Was I just be off an elephant? Yeah, but then you have like a bunch of convicts. They don't look natural. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they they both have like NFL quarterbacks. 
Yeah. Uh, right. That, yeah, they both exactly have that. Yeah. And then, like, Nelly was a good running back. I mean, Michael Irvin played a role. <laughs> oh, yeah. Michael Irvin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he played football and then you had, in real like, life. Uh, that wrestler, the big Kali. Remember, Lazavath, we went to a wrestling event. And oh, yeah. We picked the one wrestling event to go to, and it was John Cena versus Umaga and the great Kali. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so, uh, for all amazing. you listeners, yeah. Uh, John Lazbeth, our host, made a sign that said, I'm with stupid, and the arrow pointed down at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, clever, I know. <laughs> I would, you know, like, I remember watching the Longest Yard remake, and a lot of critics bashed on it, whatever, but I remember leaving that theater in Tallahassee with, like, a smile on my face. I had a good time watching that movie. Yeah. Um, like, that'd be a fun movie. Like, I would love, because, but the problem is you like both teams. Like, are there sports movies where you like both teams? Um. No, there's always like a, the evil, <clears throat> the evil like uh, Yankees, you know, Ooh, type team. So the warden is evil, and then like Adam Sandler throws it at the end so that the replacements can win. Oh, but everyone wins in the end because okay. they stuck it to the warden. I see. No, wait. So <laughs> the game would take place in the prison. I guess. No, it take place in the NFL. Oh, okay. Is like there's a strike. So then prison teams get the... <laughs> <laughs> right, you know how Johnny Cash went to play a concert at a prison? Yeah. Yeah. They took a prison football team and took them to a, 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 to, a to the Thunderdome or whatever the hell. <laughs> we'll bring the prison experience to you. You know what's funny? Is that, is that I just said the Thunderdome? Yeah, I heard you say that. That, that hasn't existed in like decades. <laughs> What was the oh the Tropicana Dome? Uh, it's Tropicana Field these days. Oh, Tropicana but, Field. Yeah. I was thinking the Superdome, and I said the Thunderdome. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I got a good one here, but I'm not going to do it. It's Brett Maverick from Maverick versus James Bond from Casino Royale versus Nicky Santoro from Casino versus the Cincinnati Kid from the Cincinnati Kid versus Teddy KGB from Rounders oh. versus Henry Gondaroff from The Sting versus Doc Holliday and Tombstone in a movie called Six Kings. <laughs> and Ooh. it's like, you know, those terrible poker movies where they all have royal flushes. Well, I want to have a movie where, like, in the end, James Bond wins it with Six Kings, which is <laughs> impossible, but I got Six Kings. And everyone's like, <gasps> and then... um. I have uh, Donna Catalos, uh, Parker Posey from Blade Trinity versus Elmont, Jack, uh, Ewan McGregor from Jack the Giant Slayer because their hair is amazing, and I love both of them. Just like a hair off. like a, They're just preening. Um, hmm. And then, so the one I'm going to talk about here, I'm, I'm going to continue going dark. Um, I also have Travel, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver versus Alex from A Clockwork Orange, and it would be called Uber Ultraviolence. You get it? Taxi driver, Uber, Uber <laughs> ultraviolence. Um, but the one I have here is it's kind of insane, but I think it'd be really fun. Um, let me scroll up here. It's the Black Knight from Monty Python, the Holy Grail versus Frank Vitch Chard from Anchorman, Luke Wilson versus Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars Episode three, The Revenge of the Sith. So all of them lose multiple limbs. So this, like, the Black Knight loses all four limbs. Luke Wilson loses his arms. And Anakin Skywalker gets a ton of limbs chopped off. So this fight would just basically be three people getting their limbs hacked off. 
Ooh. in like comedic fashion like picture it like monty python but three guys finding each other just hacking off Dude, that really is like the opening scene in saving private ryan where you see the, the one arm <laughs> the one arm guy is looking around and then like he thinks about it and then he's like yep that's it and he goes yeah. and picks up his arm he's like that's my arm but just picture like anchorman with the three of them just straight up hacking each other's limbs off like Ooh. i just I like but it's funny though because like luke wilson's like not again or i didn't see that coming and the black knight's like it's just a flesh wound well, Anakin wasn't really funny, but I mean, audiences were laughing. You so were just, the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. So it's just three guys, just like limbs flying everywhere. I just think that would be amazing. It really was such a melodramatic scene, wasn't it? Like yeah. these two people who are supposed to have some level of enlightenment, and like, and and Obi Wan is just like screaming in tears. You were the chosen one, and he's like holding his laser. And he's like, I hate you. <laughs> it's like terrible. <laughs> but just, I just think limbs flying everywhere. Like while one's being melodramatic, the other one is Luke Wilson, and then Black Knight's like denying everything. Like I just would love to see these guys square off. I thought you were gonna go like Martin Lawrence Black Knight versus oh. <laughs> Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that when I was typing it in, but I just want a limb losing scene. I just think that would be great. So uh, I just want three guys chopping each other's limbs off in a street fight in PG-13 comedic fashion. It's just a flesh but, wound. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. So that's yeah. mine. What do you got, Lev? All right. So 1986 remake of The Fly had Seth Brundle, played by Jeff Goldblum, Walk into a bar and challenge a stranger to an arm wrestling match when people were betting on arm wrestling. So what's funny about that scene, just to take you back to the fly, is that this tall, skinny, but in great shape, don't get me wrong, like, you know, pecs and abs, small pecs, but pecs and abs, whatever, Jeff Goldblum, he challenged George Chavallo in the movie. And George Chavallo is a retired Canadian professional boxer who's a five-time heavyweight champion and a two-time world heavyweight challenger who never in his professional career got knocked out. Just just little tidbit of movie trivia. So, like, it wasn't just some random drunk guy at a bar. They were choosing someone back in the 80s who would be recognized as, like, a holy shit. Brundlefly is challenging this guy. So, but in that in that scene, he snaps the dude's forearm when they're arm wrestling because he's so strong with his fly strength or whatever. So I'm saying that Brundlefly should go up against Half Thor Bjornsson from who plays the Mountain in Game of Thrones. I thought you were gonna say over the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in, in a in an arm wrestling match, and Half Thor. He broke a 1,000-year-old record last year by carrying a 32-foot-long, 1,400-pound-foot log for five steps. He squats 800 pounds or 660 for 10 reps. He benches 510 or 485 for six reps, and he deadlifts about 1,000 pounds. Jeff Goldblum. He's going to snap his arm, right? He'll just snap it right off. Yeah. Just rip his arm out of his socket and then slap him in the face with it. <laughs> I love Jeff Goldblum. He's an underrated action hero. Independence Day, Jurassic Park, Buckaroo Banzai. Hey, he's back for Independence Day 2. So. Igby goes down. Yeah. Dude, he's the best. <laughs> I want to see this matchup, though, like modern day. Like Jeff Goldblum walks into it, 
all fly-like and just snaps the mountain's arm. Like all twitchy. <laughs> Imagine being in the bar when that happens, and you're like, man, Jeff Goldblum is going to get crushed. And then, like, the mountain's going to kill him. Then the mountain's arm explodes in the bar. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of, I mean, even though the mountain is way bigger than that Canadian boxer, like, the thing is that that's what we were thinking back when people were first seeing the fly. Yeah. Like, Jeff Goldblum is, like, six foot four and 180 pounds, if that, and he walks up to some dude who's, like, you know, 250. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum needs a, a Taken movie, where Jeff Goldblum goes after his daughter and just murders people. You know, I want to see Jeff Goldblum do the uh, the monologue. <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum yeah. style, You're like uh, yeah, you you uh, you uh, you uh, you, uh, you, you, uh, you 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 don't know me. <laughs> you, you're gonna bring her back, right? Right? <laughs> hey, uh, where? Hey, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna find you, and because uh, I got these skills, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's just not it's not gonna be pretty, you know. So just yeah, I'm coming for you. I don't know. That's how Jeff Goldblum talks. <laughs> Actually, not Woody Allen. Yeah. Oh yeah, that wasn't Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to say Woody Allen taken movie too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So random fact: back when I was in my uh, orc days from Lord of the Rings, when I was two fifty in college, I arm wrestled a guy and I broke his arm. Then I had to drive him to the hospital and wait with him while they repaired it. Ouch. And then it repaired, like kind of weird looking. So he sued the hospital. Oh, you know, every year when I go on my family vacation in North Carolina, uh, there's this dude who's six foot six and two ninety who I arm wrestle for like the last five, six, seven years. And every year I get a little stronger, but he still beats me because he's like six foot six. He has yeah. naturally bigger tendons and, and leverage. But I keep trying. And he's like, I'm not gonna I'm never gonna arm wrestle anyone. That's what he says, because his mother's like, Oh no, don't you do it. Don't you do it, Burr. His name is Burr. And and so and because he, he broke his boss's friend's humorous, right? Like his yeah. upper arm bone yeah. in an arm wrestling match like five years ago. He's like, John, I won't arm wrestle you. And I got him to. And because like I gave him such a good fight, he was willing to arm wrestle me like each arm every year. And I keep trying. Nice. So all y'all who are listening will one day hopefully witness me say that I finally beat six foot six, 290 pound Burr. I'm or... amazed he actually arm wrestled again because I would never do it because that really messed me up. He's we're, like, drinking, we're, we're drinking a lot and I'm pushy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a really pushy. My, my, my last, my, come on, come on, come on, come on. So, uh, I'm not going to do this one, but imagine Rick Deckard from Blade Runner versus Ava from Ex Machina. And the name of the movie is called Mach 2. Mach 2. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, or um, let's see what else do I got? Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road versus Nick Fury from Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's, called... that's a good one. But see, it would be called Furiosa and Fury on the Fury Road, where it's like her war rig versus the SUV from Captain America. What about Pee Wee Herman versus Mr. Bean? Yeah. Oh gosh. So my last one is this one's not too dark, but I think every fourteen-year-old's head would explode. It's the female from Under the Sin, the Skin. Versus Sylv from Species, versus uh, Louise from Spring, versus the Space Girl from Life Force. God, that's so many dimensions. Space Girl from Life Force is going to get her butt kicked um, because all the others are, like, shape-shifting somehow. Yeah. But, like, like the female from Under the Skin, I think Syl would win. But I think every 14-year-old's head on the planet would explode. Yeah. <laughs> Under the Skin and, and – and, um, yeah, she's gone. She doesn't stand a chance either. Her and Life yeah, Force, they're gone. Yeah. 
I mean, we love, like, to- we love seeing topless vampire aliens and all, but so here's the movie though. It's like, it's, it's basically like, it's basically a 90 minute movie. 80 minutes of it is basically like an art house B movie with an A-list cast. And then the final 10 minutes is like the fight. That sounds like most versus movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like there's all this buildup explaining it. <laughs> and like, then you know, we talk- yeah, no. Yeah. And then like the, the final fight's like really empty climatic, but just imagine the four of them like doing their own thing. And then like, uh, so that's mine. But I don't know if you ever saw all these movies. I just thought I went dark. So I'm like, I'm going to go alien and battling each other. Nice. Yeah. What do you got? 11 good. All right. Oh man, that one tanked. I thought you guys would love that. I thought it would be like, uh, I guess like the source material would like, <laughs> you talking about, I, I was jumping right in with, with, with how, with how under the skin alien would get ripped up and life force alien didn't stand a chance. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, I mean, Natasha Hentridge, you would pull it out. Because her thing was just, yeah. <laughs> Did you just say Natasha Henstridge and pulling out in the same phrase? She would win. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, and my last one that I didn't get in was Quint and Jaws versus Deep Blue Sea Shark, and it would be called The Bigger Boat. Oh, nice. That's, oh, wasn't that a beer? Didn't you mention that as like a beer or something like last episode? Yeah, but that sounded so good. I wanted to see that fight. All right, Levin, go. What do you got? All right, so one that I'm not going to engage is uh, – oh, I'll save it. All right, okay. Here, I, I, I want to go spear fighting. Let's change it up a little bit. <laughs> I want to go spear fighting. I want to go Pedro Pascal, who played Oberyn the Viper in Game of Thrones. He fought the mountain at the, the uh, finale of epi- uh, season four. I want him versus Prince Nuwata by Luke Goss from uh, Hellboy 2. That would be a lot of spear fighting. Those dudes both have loads of acrobatics and flips and corkscrews and cartwheels and twirling like spear crap against much bigger opponents. I'd be curious to see like the whirlwind of maneuvers that would happen if they faced each other. I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, Achilles. He was no, a pretty good spear you, fighter. We, we talk about Achilles so much on no, this podcast. There's an SNL skit where it's like these two eight boxers from the 1800s. It's Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell, I think, are boxing each other. And they walk around each other for like 137 rounds without punching each other once. Like I'm seeing this Pedro Pascal uh, Prince uh, Iguana fight. Um, <laughs> like I see them just spinning their, their uh, spears for like 20 minutes. And they're like... Then they're like, oh, wait, do we have to fight? Like, uh, they just, like, you know, everyone's just kind of cheering them on while they're doing their spear stuff. Then they get along, go get a beer. Mm-hmm. Don't, they mean, bo- don't they both want revenge? Well, sort of. Yeah. Well, well Prince Nuwata, he's he's trying to, to, to go kill his dad and get the throne. So he's, like, his, his vengeance is, like, childlike selfishness. Whereas Oberyn in Game of Thrones, he's, like... Real. He's like this. This dude, this mf'er, like murdered my wife or my uh, sister and her children. So I gotta kill him. That was yeah. like that was more legit. Whereas Princess Nuada is like, I 
want to be king. And nah. I'm going to kill my dad. To do, but he did it with the most badass moves ever. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to raise the golden army. I'm going to get the golden army of these robots or whatever. Get away from me, Hellboy. <laughs> they look, their hearts look like the Kronos that Guillermo del Toro also did in 1993. Hey, Hellboy, I know all the, all the movies are the same, but just leave me alone. I want to kill my dad in peace, man. Just leave me alone, Hellboy. <laughs> I hate that jerky scene where he raises like that, that old beast. And then he's like, you're going to have to kill it. <laughs> that elemental, like, like plant monster. There's no more left. You're going to have to murder it. Dude, and when he kills it, it's like he basically all but said, like, look, I'm going to throw down this thing that you're going to have to fight. And it's basically going to be like you ex- making this species extinct if you fight it. Like, that's kind of like I've got 15 Komodo dragons that are endangered and they're they're going to go extinct if you kill them all. Yeah, Prince Laguna Beach is just the worst. <laughs> That sounds like an MTV like dramatic show for teenagers, like Lagoon. royalty for royalty. Well, we're rich, I guess. <laughs> All right, so we got Prince Iguana versus uh, the Viper. Prince what do you got, last? <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm gonna go with a pretty interesting pick here. So I think uh, from the movie The Rock, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. He played uh, Stanley Goodspeed and uh, John Patrick Mason, <laughs> respectively. So they're kind of they're guys who you would hire to kind of break into any facility or institution in the world. So I want to see him face off against someone who's really good in home defense. O- Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> in this case, it would be <laughs> Kevin, Mesca- <laughs> Kevin McAllister of Home Alone. <laughs> I almost had Night of the Living Dead meets Home Alone, where yeah. he has to like defend his house from zombies. Yeah. No, I want to see these two try to break into like uh, the McAllister house for whatever reason. <laughs> I just... want to see Nick Cage going on ornaments. <laughs> like I want to see. Nick Cage. I want to see Sean Connery go like. <laughs> <laughs> I will not let this this paint can hit my head. (laughs) (laughs) And then he steps on a nail. (laughs) Wait, what's a Scottish hurt sound? I will not let (laughs) Shrek. So, uh, a Shrek. (laughs) That's the sound you make. Shrek. Yeah. Hey, can we incorporate the Home Alone two stuff too? Like Nick Cage getting his hand burned. Like, oh, oh yeah. I want to see Nick Cage getting electrocuted too. You see his skull. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's dark. Yeah, getting a well, but on Home Alone PG though. Yeah, it makes sense in the Home Alone universe and in the Michael like, Bay movie somehow. Oh gosh, so he scopes the house out in the beginning. Who scopes the house out? Sean Connery or Nick Cage? I think it would be Nick Cage. I don't know. Yeah. Sean Connery would just be like sipping his coffee somewhere. <laughs> well, they, you know, they did have a coffee maker in their van in Home Alone and deleted scene, so that's perfect. Oh, nice. This uh, <laughs> coffee maker we stole. It's, uh, it's pish. I can just imagine the scene where, like, uh, they're just like, they're both battered and bruised, and Sean Connery's just so pissed, and he yells in the cage, like, listen, we have, we have to get into here, all right? Winners <laughs> go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> what is that an impression of exactly? Because it it's somewhere, it's somewhere between Sean Connery and like, uh, and, and then Nick Cage. This isn't Nick Cage. I did have sex with the prom queen. <laughs> Wait, I sounded like Keanu Reeves there. Yeah, we're getting the lines 
lines crossed all over the place here. <laughs> Dude, I, w- I just want to see Nick Cage step on like micro micro machines and slide somewhere and hurt himself. Yeah. Well, he does the crazy eyes so well that I buy it. And I want to see Sean Connery get hit in the head with a snow shovel. <laughs> Rush, we got you, Kevin McAllister. We're about to ding. Oh, <laughs> snow shovel, snow shovel to the head. Nice. Oh. <laughs> get him, Nick Cage. I love The Rock. I need to watch that movie again. That came out twenty years ago. It's a uh, yeah. It's one of the few Michael Bay movies that I actually legitimately enjoy. Cool. See, I don't know if I want to watch it again because, like, I love it. Yeah. So I don't know if I watch it and go, oh, this is not good. This it's, is this is Shrek. See, The Rock was one of the few, in my opinion, few gems he's did. He's done. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, The Rock, oh, yeah. Transformers one. Uh, hey man, Bad Boys. Uh, yeah, bad. Yeah, Bad Boys. I don't know. I feel like Bad Boys 1 got tainted so much by Bad Boys 2. I just I can't yeah. really look at it the same way anymore. I fell asleep during Bad Boys 2. Really? I love 1 and 2. I love them both. It's so loaded with action. There's that gunfight in Bad Boys 2 where they shoot at least a million bullets and yeah. 40 billion cars blow up. And then there's a newspaper, like a, a news report that's like, no cops were harmed. I'm like, how? You know what's how? weird? Like, you know what's weird about Bad Boys 2? Like, I always feel like whenever I watch that movie, it feels like. I'm supposed to root for the bad guys. The bad guys in this case being Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Like they're yeah. just I don't know. I it just it feels like I'm rooting for the bad guys. Well, they <laughs> started off fighting the KKK. Uh, oh I don't yeah. Know. And by the way, wait, while we're on this super tangent, like how do you find a chapter of the KKK that big outside of Miami? Like white people are so the minority in Miami where I well, hope- in the Glades, did they go to the Glades? Yeah, that's it. Like, like, I, no, like, I'm hoping to move over there this year. But like, reality check. Like, if you can find that many overweight biker white guys with like long beards in Miami, like, you just found all of them in Miami. Like, they basically, I, sorry, Daytona Beach, but they'd have to go to like Daytona Beach, and that's not their jurisdiction. Really, I mean, that was like a North Carolina-looking clan rally. <laughs> Sorry, North Carolina, I love you. I go to you every year for vacation, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I love North Carolina. Grandfather Mountain? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's come we, up uh, with a fake state. That looks like a clan rally from um, uh, West Carolina. Blartsville. Blartsville. Yeah. West Dakota. West Dakota. Yeah, West Dakota. There we go. Hey, <laughs> maybe you guys know the <laughs> answer to this, but how come there's like – there's a Virginia – and then there's a West Virginia. Like, how does that work? Because it's the traitor's state. Okay. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Facts. Don't it's, it, it's be long the here. State. Wait, which one's the traitor Facts. state? West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just don't want to have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> now you don't have to. You know what you do have to look up is who would actually win in a battle between Leon the Professional, John Wick, and Benicio Del Toro from Sicario. Huh. Yeah. Whoa. Because, right, John Wick, he's all guns and muscle, right? The professional, he's all shadows. And Benicio Del Toro is a mix. Hey, text me that. That's going in the post. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, actually, don't that, I don't even know how that would play out. Send me right. it. Because I, I can't. I, would, I want that movie. Or, like, what would happen? Or, or, or is, it, is, is Maniac Cop really just a grown-up version of Jason Voorhees that got a job? What would happen with Maniac Cop versus Jason Voorhees? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I loved about that John Wick thing? You said Leon. I'm like, well, he's not going to lose. And then you said John Wick. I'm like, well, he can't lose. 
And then you said Benicio del Toro from Sicario. I'm like, well, he can't lose. So I don't, I don't understand this movie. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 three intense dudes. It's a draw. It's a three way draw. Yeah, tie. <laughs> yeah. All right, they guys. All get shot and go get drinks. That's how this whole podcast is. They all get drinks. Yeah, it's a three way draw. Le- does Leon bring bring Matilda with him and his plan? And his plan. <laughs> all right, guys. Before we uh, sign off, are there any plugs we want to make? It's for Matilda. Wait, that's Sean Connery doing Leon. Yeah, guys. Um, <laughs> movies, films, and flicks. Head to the site. Check out the post. If you like this podcast, go check out the post. Share the post. Uh, if you like the podcast, go to iTunes. Rate, review, share. Uh, do that for all of Shark Dropper's stellar works on Blog Talk Radio. Shark Dropper, they put out great stuff like Horror Play, Word of the Bay, Top 5, and Shark Dropper. Yeah. Is there anything else? Yeah, that's uh, a good cover. Yeah, I think that's it. By the way, P.S. We're awesome. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. So, if you've been listening and you're not sure of your opinion of us, just understand that your opinion is that we're awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. For my co-host, Mark Hoffman. Live happily. <laughs> John Lennon. Good night, folks. I've been your host, John Muscle. Thank you so much for listening. See you guys next time. Five seconds till shark drought. Five, four, three, two, one. Drop the shark. Go, go, go. This podcast is a Shark Dropper Studios production. 